And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Boy, that was a boxing match in the city that Rocky was made famous in, in Philadelphia. 49ers beat the Eagles 17 11. It was a throwback to when Dennis played back with the 49ers in the early 90s. I know back even in the 80s, they had a lot of those NFC East wins where they just had to slug it out. It wasn't pretty. The defensive fronts were, were both very strong, but the offensive lines were too. It was determined in the trenches, and the 49ers ultimately stringed together a couple 90-yard drives. Nothing came easily. But uh, it was sweeter in the end for him. 17-11. And Dennis, uh, did that remind you a little bit of uh, of the 1990s? 49ers against the NFC East and some of those showdowns? I enjoyed that game. You know, I enjoyed it because it was, like you said, it was a battle in the trenches. And you had two teams that just battled. It, it, was, it, was, some, it was some physicality in this football game. I mean, guys were hitting. This was a hard, tough-hitting football game. And I love, I mean, I became, I, I, you know, I'm a 49er fan, right? But I kind of became just a football fan, just really enjoying the play on the offense and defensive line. And it, it was great seeing how, how the game kind of turned, you know, some injuries happened, different running backs come in the football game. But it was still, it was just a, I like, I, I like the analogy in Philadelphia. It was a boxing match and it was just, it was just body blows, body blows, body blows, and finally, the 49ers in that offensive line finally, finally threw the last body blow and uh, took down Philadelphia. But I, I enjoyed it. I enjoy watching games like that. I don't care if, 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 if it was 7-6. to six. It was just fun to watch. It was about uh, resilience, really. I mean, because nothing was working for this team early on. But they kept chipping away. And you, you would see those, those runs that were getting zero and one yard in the first half started getting three and four in the second. And they started to win that, that battle of the trenches. And uh, Dennis is right. I mean, uh, you know, you, you saw some running backs go down. And uh, the guy that I was impressed with, with was Elijah Mitchell. Um, I know he didn't score on this play, but it looked like he did initially. And it really wasn't a well-blocked play at the goal line. He really drove uh, an Eagles linebacker into the end zone. And he ends up hurting his right shoulder. Uh, that, that's what he drove the, the linebacker with. And I think it was a stinger. Um, no one's saying for sure yet, but that seemed to be how he was reacting. Like he lost sensation in that right arm. And, uh, you know, to his credit, he came back into the game and, and was on the field during those, those game-clinching snaps. And, the you know, the refrain afterwards, um, as, as David noted, is that you know good teams will have three or four of those games in a year, and the reason that they're good teams and not bad teams is that they end up winning those types of games, and, and the Forty ers did that. And um, 
I think that uh, they are very happy to have gone on this uh, another West Virginia sojourn, another bad news trip uh, in a lot of ways to the the East Coast, but they're coming back two and zero. And and I think that uh, you know everybody went into the season with very high expectations, and they still have that elation about them. They they still have a sense that this is going to be a special season. And, uh, you know, as bad as those injuries are, that, that feeling that good things are coming, uh, I think is, is important. It's important to the team. It's important to the fans. And uh, we're going to have a really fun game uh, in this uh, upcoming week three against the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, home opener. Fans are going to be back in Levi Stadium in a game that counts for the first time since they played the Packers in the NFC Championship in January 2020. So that that's fitting. I'm sure it'll be packed out at Levi Stadium, and 49ers open up as favorites. And I, you know, I. This is not a wild prediction. They're going to have a lot easier time scoring points against Green Bay than they did against Philadelphia. This was everything that it was promised to be. This was a very talented Philadelphia team, especially up front. Both lines of scrimmage. The 49ers would be tested. And to compound the test, it's a Philadelphia team with a new coaching staff, and not just a new staff, one that doesn't have any former coordinators on it. All of the... Uh, play callers on this Philadelphia staff had not called plays in the NFL up until this season. Nick Sirianni on offense and Jonathan Gannon on defense. So the 49ers come into this game not having any definitive film on these coordinators, and they know that Philly has a bunch of good players on both the offensive and defensive lines. So they come into this game knowing it's going to be a grind, knowing that they're going to have to feel this out, knowing that they're going to have to just find a way to stay afloat. And I'll tell you what, Matt, uh, it – it seemed that the 49ers got very close to sinking early on in this game. They're down 3 nothing. Philly hits that 91-yard pass over Diamador Lenore, Jalen Hurts to, to Kez, Quez Watkins. And at that point, it looks like it's going to be 10 nothing. 49ers offense can't move the ball. They had already gone three and out three straight times. But the defense shows up when they absolutely have to. They're ready for Philly special to play the Eagles around in the Super Bowl. Preparation on point. And then the offense turns around with a 97-yard drive, finally figures out the conundrum uh, of these new coordinators, and, and they turn the flow of the game around. I mean, they're that close from being in a big hole, but the 49ers were able to uh, deliver when it counted and, and, and turn the ship around. Yeah, it was a, a key sequence, and it began with Joukowsky Tart really running down Quez Watkins uh, so that he didn't score, I think it was a 91-yard gain. It should have been, or it could have been, a 97-yard score. And you're, you're, you're thinking, oh, six yards, they're going to score anyway. Um, but they didn't. And they even got a, a pass interference uh, call against Josh Norman that put them on the, uh, the one-yard line. And um, the, the 49ers' defense held. And you're right. Um, they went back to, to Doug Peterson and, and Philly's special. And uh, the 49ers didn't practice it during the week, but... Everybody sort of did their job. They knew what to do on that sort of play with, with misdirection. And I think it was uh, Eric Armstead sort of strung out the play. Um, Kwan Williams probably made the play by sticking with Jalen Hurts. And uh, Fred Warner was there sort of lurking at the goal line to make sure that, uh, that the, the, the receiver who had the ball in his hands, who was a, a former quarterback, I think, didn't uh, go into the end zone. So everybody did their job. It was just a, a smart sort of um, a combination of, of instinct and intelligence on that play. Uh, and you're right. And then the 49ers go 97 yards the other way. And, and miraculously, Dennis, they go into the end and they go into halftime 
with a 7-3 lead after just being walloped for the first, uh, you know, uh, 27 minutes of the first half. Uh, and, and I think that was, uh, that was incredible. That, that was sort of the, the turning point where the 49ers sort of stopped the bleeding and uh, kind of proved to themselves, I think, that they could win this game. What, the first three series, you know, the 49ers offense goes three and out. Uh, two tackle for losses. You know, the, the, the defensive line was just, just penetrating that, that, uh, that offensive line, reestablishing the line of scrimmage. Jimmy Garoppolo was, was throwing high. Uh, receivers were dropping the ball. I was sitting there thinking, oh, boy, what, what's going on here? What's going to happen here? But at that at halftime, you look up and it's you know it's 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 seven to three, and you know it could have easily been seventeen nothing going in and going into halftime. So the 49ers got I think they got lucky, but they made plays when they needed to make plays. And you talk about Eric Armstead, I, like you said, they didn't work on that Philly special, but it looked like he knew exactly what he could have fell into it. But it was making plays on the defensive side when you needed to make plays. And Jaquaski Tart. I mean, Philadelphia's game plan was definitely to test the cornerbacks. I mean, I, I mean, some of the long balls. He had that one long ball, but Philadelphia's game plan was to attack the corners and go deep. I thought Jaquaski Tart had a really good game. He had one breakup, but he defended. He covered really well. The two cornerbacks, Josh Norman. I think that first play. I don't think he was even a pass interference that very first play of the game. No, he played really well. Diamador played really well. He had that one. We kind of tripped up, but. He shows a lot of poise because after that, he could have went in the tank. Now, that was 90-something yards, and he just kind of slipped, came back, played really well. Played really good on that one play down the, down the sidelines, kind of running the receiver out of bounds. That is classic defensive DB play right there, using the 12th man you know, as another defender. So, you know, I, I think the 49ers made the right plays at the right time. So I, I was impressed as as the game went on. You know, it looked like you know we, we you talk about just staying in the game, keep fighting. Coaches always say keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting, uh, and I think that's what the 49ers did. They kept fighting, and finally they came out winners. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, offensively, they finally started hitting some outside zones. They, they changed strategies from running off the you know under center snap to direct handoff to pitching it outside, which is something they like doing a lot with Raheem Mostert. They had that down with Raheem, but obviously Raheem is done for the season, so uh, th- they had to improvise. They had to go to do that with Elijah Mitchell, who obviously has a similar skill set, but the refinement and the coordination of that play isn't the same as it is with Raheem, and you even saw uh, uh, a, a fumble at, at well, one point of the I think that, that was hasty, right? That, that fumbled one of the pitches yeah, later, later on. Yeah, pitch. yeah. So, so But, but there, you, there you go. The, the pitch is a Raheem play, and the other back's obviously going to have to learn how to run it now too because if defenses try to stop the 49ers the same way that the Eagles did that that pitch needs to be part of the repertoire and as soon as the 49ers hit a couple outside zones it started opening stuff up now they could have opened stuff up with the whole pass to set up the run strategy earlier but they dropped two screens early on uh, and the screen pass was was the way to do things all game because Philly was so aggressive up front and they were soft on the back end opened up the screen. But when Debo dropped the screen early, when Kyle Juszczyk dropped the screen early, and then when Jimmy Garoppolo failed to hit two intermediate passes, 49ers just kept on going three and out. By the way, that was the first time they didn't pick up a first down in the first quarter since 2016. That was before Shanahan uh, when Chip Kelly was the coach. So uh, they finally got it going, though, when that pitch worked and that outside zone worked, and then Jimmy found his rhythm, and then it got going. But you have to give credit, Matt, to the defense for making sure that uh, they kept them in the game while that offense was trying to find that spark. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I, I just uh, re- re-watched the first half of the game. <laughs> the Eagles linebackers are playing, you know, at least 10, sometimes more yards off the line of scrimmage. So though that, that bread and butter play for the 49ers that, you know, those over the middle uh, throws from Jimmy Garoppolo were, were basically um, no goes for them for most of the game. I think there were one or two. That the, the big shot to to Debo Samuel obviously before the half was one, and I think there was one more to to Samuel in, in the third quarter. But really, that was it. And so you had this big gap between the linebackers and a very aggressive defensive front. So you're right. The, the screen game was the way to go. Let the uh, defensive lineman get upfield and throw a screen, and then you have all sorts of room in between. Um, and the 49ers just couldn't find their rhythm. Uh, I'm not sure if they worked on it during the week very much, and they sort of had to kind of uh, learn as they went, um, Dennis, in this game. But um, yeah, as David noted, they, they eventually did catch on, uh, and they eventually took the momentum over. And, um, you know, that's what, that's what good teams do. Um, they, uh, they figure out a way. They figure out the key, and then they adapt. And uh, that's what we saw the 49ers do on Sunday. Yeah, and, you know, I, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but uh, yeah, Elijah, Elijah Mitchell played really well. Yeah. But I think the offense kind of changed once Jermichael got in the game. For some reason, it looked like momentum was kind of shifting when he was in the game. And, and I, I don't know if it's the way he runs – uh, he's so quick, always falling forward. But to me, it felt like the game, the offense kind of found its rhythm when he was running the ball. He had a, he had a couple of really good, tough inside runs and then some of the stretch plays on the outside. I think it changed a little bit of the momentum of the football game. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think that you, you just have to establish that to get the 
wind taken a little bit out of the sails of the pass rush because that Eagles pass rush was was nasty and they fed off of the crowd noise. You saw it on snap one with Javon Hargrave, the, the, the defensive tackle. He's just there essentially jumping the snap count. Fort Anders' cadence isn't what it would be in a more silent situation. So everything was working in Philadelphia's favor. Uh, Shanahan's offense is obviously based on stacking stuff on, on top of itself. So when the run doesn't work, then other stuff doesn't work. And the 49ers' pass protection, obviously, uh, isn't their strong suit. This is more of a run-blocking team that relies on the play action. So uh, absolutely, when stuff started going right in that direction, other stuff uh, would start to go right for the 49ers. It was just extremely important to uh, string that together. But, it, you know, e- even then, it wasn't like there was easy pickings in this game. That's why they had to do two 90-plus-yard drives, you know, and, and it's not – easy to go 90 plus yards without a mistake which is why to me matt the the two biggest stats in this game zero sacks zero interceptions zero interceptions everybody knows Uh, jimmy didn't throw one today but zero sacks is surprising given how strong philly was up front and that's a testament to you know a lot of people but i think the play calling was good obviously garoppolo had a good sense in that pocket uh but but you know the the plan and then the you know resilience, whatever you want to call it, but the 49ers stuck to the plan. They didn't get greedy, and because of that, they didn't give up those detonating plays, and that allowed them to execute a formula of complementary football to win this game. Yeah, when you have no sacks and no giveaways, and you combine that with really good defense and really good special teams, uh, George Kittle called out the special teams for um, uh, saluted them during his post-game press conference. I thought that was pretty cool of a guy who doesn't really play special teams to do that, but he's absolutely right. Um, Robbie Gold hit a, a, a long field goal at the end. Javon Kinlaw blocked a field goal. Uh, Mitch Wisnowski was awesome with uh, with those punts that would bounce right before the, the, the goal line and then bounce you know back towards him a little bit. Um, you know, the, the coverage was really good. This this new guy, Trenton Cannon, uh, he was the gunner, he was on kickoff, he was the kick returner, had to play a little running back at the end. Uh, he only came in on, on Wednesday. I, I was there on Friday, you know, at the very end of this three-day practice, and you know, 49ers have been on the road for a while, and he's one of the last guys in the practice field because he's getting some, some extra work on, on how to uh, do their their kickoffs and you know what the the blocking is and the kick returns and things like that. So he was getting last second coaching on the very last practice of the week and then ends up playing a really key role. The point is is that you know all of those things work in concert and um, and and when it's a tight game they have to work that uh, well and uh, and and they did for the 49ers. You know one to to uh, comment on what what Dennis was saying. Yeah, I agree that Hasty. Had a really nice game. He had a, a 21-yard run, which in this game was was phenomenal. Uh, the, the the next longest run was was 10 yards, so that was double what uh, what Mitchell's longest run was. The the problem is that Hasty now has a sprained ankle. Trey Sermon uh, probably has a concussion. So um, you know the, the the 49ers are suddenly very thin at this critical running back spot, and I wonder. Whether Carryon Johnson, a, a guy who's on their practice squad, is going to get called up, and whether the 49ers have to bring in yet another running back, this seemed like a a, uh, a luxury for the team in the off season. Remember, they had so many running backs. They they took Mitchell. He was kind of extraneous in the in the sixth round. Now they're 
they're down to bare, you know, the, the very bottom of, uh, of the, the, the barrel there at that very critical spot. So I think that's going to be a big storyline going into this Packers week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In a surprising twist, the 49ers have a lot of guys injured. Right. And there are a lot of them are running backs. This this, this happens every I, – I don't know. I, I guess I don't understand it. It seems like it happens every year and it's pretty consistent that you – the 49ers start off camp or training camp with this great room of running backs. And then by the third, fourth game, you're down to just kind of grabbing guys off the street. But luckily in this system, any running back that's kind of plugged in there, they usually do pretty well. Uh, in Kyle Shanahan's system. So we'll see, you know, the next man up mentality. And, and to, to speak on special teams, I mean, when you're when you're on the road, there's two things that, that has to travel. That's your defense and your special teams. And how about my boy, Javon Kinlaw? How about that vertical to jump up and get that, that, that field goal? I was impressed by my man. I was very impressed on that play. But I was also impressed. You guys probably don't even see this kind of stuff, but I do. Uh, the game plan on Javon Kinlaw was to try to trap him in the middle and kind of attack the middle of that defense like Detroit did. Javon read three traps perfectly and closed the traps down and allowed his linebackers to make the tackle. Little things like that would got me excited about that young I think I think he's going to be a, he's, he's still playing super high, but I think he's starting to kind of learn starting to kind of learn how to be a defensive lineman in the NFL. I was impressed with him today. Oh, I thought that he was a difference maker today. When you pair him with DJ Jones and that 49ers base package, teams teams don't run up the middle with ease anymore. And that that to me was a big part of this game. Miles Sanders today averaged only three something a carry. I mean, this was different than Detroit, which was just gashing the 49ers 20 yards at a time. And, you know, the, those totals didn't look good in the first half. Today, most of Philly's run production came from Jalen Hurts, but that's a separate issue from what Javon Kinlaw is doing. Kinlaw's in there to be that body that is, you know, able to absorb double teams. It just, you know, builds that rigid column in the middle. And, and it's such an important spine of the 49ers defense because it allows them to do so much other stuff without getting gashed right up the middle, which is, you know, one of the their, their kryptonites right there. And I thought that uh, he immediately provided some return on investment there. And he, whenever you pair another defensive tackle, especially a strong guy like DJ Jones with him, you start to create a lot of disruption. And DJ Jones... A healthy DJ Jones is borderline unblockable. I mean, the guy is so impressive, and we saw it today ripping through even while he's getting held. Uh, Matt, he's a player that the 49ers really missed down the stretch in 2019, and I think the more that we see him healthy, and we haven't gotten to see a lot of him healthy at all in a 49ers uniform, there always seems to be something, but when he's healthy and when Kinlaw's healthy, another guy with issues as far as injuries, that interior, you could see what the vision is, right? Uh, the problem is that the 49ers haven't been able to realize it due to availability yeah for sure I thought uh, he looked good early on was was penetrating and uh, yeah I wanted to ask Dennis what what does a defensive tackle do to close the trap how, how do they shut down the trap because it seems like uh, almost an impossible situation when you've got 
uh, a couple of guys against you on, on those plays. Yeah, well, it's it's basic. I mean, a, a trap is to kind of knock you out the hole and they kind of bait you with usually a pulling guard or a pulling uh, center. So you think the ball is going outside, so you try to get upfield and find the running back. In the meantime, the offside guard or even a tackle is kind of is, is kind of whamming you and taking you out the middle. So now once you recognize it, which was great on his part, he would recognize with the formation that the guard was pulling and here came a tackle to wham him and he crossed the face. So instead of going around a trap, which makes the hole even bigger, you cross the face on the trap and then you close down the hole. You close down the hole and then your linebacker is able to fill the gap. And he did it three times on three different series. So definitely something that, you know, he, he worked on during the week uh, and he recognized it in the game. I didn't, I didn't see him get trapped once. But again, he was playing, the last time he was playing really high. But uh, he's starting to kind of recognize some formations and some blocking techniques. It's just going to make him a better player. He does have these very long legs, and uh, he, he's a long, he's a huge guy, very thick. Yeah, but you're right, yeah, he, he does have uh, <laughs> have length to him, and I and I suppose that uh, playing low, getting uh, not getting too high, is uh, is is a challenge for him. It was a challenge for Buckner. It was a challenge for Eric Armstead. I guess that's. That's one of the uh, the downsides of being uh, over six foot five and playing the defensive line. Yeah, that makes it really difficult. But if you but but you can play at leverage. You know, you can you can get across the line of scrimmage and you can kind of use your shoulders, use your hand placement. Eric Armstead's gotten really good at using his hand placement now. Tall dude, whatever he is, six seven, six eight, but he plays a little lower than he did as a rookie. You know the. 49ers defensive line today had maybe its biggest test of the first half season. I don't know. We'll have to see how the other offensive lines that they play uh, fare. But at least at the start of this game, uh, before Philly's right guard got hurt, the 49ers were going up against center Jason Kelsey, four-time All-Pro, right tackle Lane Johnson, a star in his own right, Jordan Mailata, super impressive left tackle. He was an Australian rugby player. Up to up until like four years ago, and he's already earned a sixty-four million dollar contract. Isaac Siamalu, the the left guard for Detroit, and Brandon Brooks, who's who's the right guard who got hurt uh, in this game. Uh, that, that's a really good offensive line, one through five. So this so this was a big big challenge for the 49ers defensive line and and at times I thought the Eagles bested them today and D'Amico Ryan's had to send a lot of aggressive blitzes some might have been a little too aggressive early in the game uh that that the Eagles burned but ultimately I think D'Amico got the hang of it but the point is that this is not like the situation in 2019 where throughout the first seven weeks of the season the 49ers just overwhelmed everybody and then got a pocket quarterback just engulfed in the pass rush today the defensive line struggled a bit and what that required is it required some some play from the 49ers secondary and guys entering this game that was a big question mark right they didn't have their two starting corners in uh, you know first string guys Emmanuel Mosley was out and Jason Verrett's out for the year so they're playing Josh Norman, 33-year-old, is going to turn 34 soon on one end, and Diamador Lenore, a fifth-round pick, a rookie, on the other end. And I'll tell you what, it, yes, there were a couple hiccups. Norman was flagged a couple times, but I'll tell you what, he didn't look bad on, on those plays. I, I thought that you know they weren't horrendous flags. And Lenore got beaten on the 91-yarder to Watkins. But outside of that, they covered on the back end today. 
And the safeties looked good. Jimmy Ward looked good. Jaquaski Tart looked good. And I think it was Kwan Williams who helped tip the 49ers off to that Philly special play. So obviously he made a huge contribution. Matt, just like in general, zooming out, you have to be really encouraged with how well this secondary played today because it means the 49ers can win in multiple ways. They don't just need their pass rush to dominate every single game. They didn't today, and the secondary picked up the slack. Well, I, I think the, the broad plan for the 49ers is that you, you go into the season with Jimmy Ward and Joukowsky Tard, who've played together a long time. They, they might be the two longest-tenured 49ers right now. Um, and uh, it does enable you to bring along some some younger cornerbacks if you've got that experience in the middle. And um, we saw that in play today. I thought that both Ward and Tart had uh, really good games. Both uh, knocked away a long Jalen Hurts uh, pass. I mean, that was the the Eagles' game plan it was to bludgeon the uh, the Forty Niners with with deep ball. Something that they really didn't do against the Falcons in Week One. It was a lot of underneath stuff. A lot of passes to Dallas Goddard, a lot of underneath passes to Devontae Smith, and they really didn't do that against the 49ers. Uh, week week one was not indicative of uh, what would happen in week two, and um, again, to the 49ers' credit, they, they adapted to that, but um, I think having two um, experienced safeties to Erasers, really, that's what they call it. Uh, you're there to erase other people's mistakes. And, and you saw Jaquaski Tart do that with that uh, long rundown of Quez Watkins uh, in, the, in the second quarter. And you saw Jimmy Ward doing that all game. Um, so, uh, you know, th- this is what the, the 49ers have been hoping for for a long time from these two. These two, these two guys, Dennis, played together on the same high school team in Mobile, Alabama. Um, and uh, it should make for a great duo. Um, the, the problem is that they're always hurt. If, if one guy's not hurt, the other is. So they, they've really gone a real stretch of playing together, and, and we, we're seeing it in these first two games. I thought Tart was a little bit um, inconsistent in week one, which is understandable. He didn't come back from his injury in training camp until very, very late, but um, he seems to be up to speed now, and speed with him is, is the operative word. You've got a somebody with strong safety size who runs like a free safety. Uh, and you saw him uh, running down a little uh, quick wideout today and, and really saving a touchdown. How about the confidence D'Amico Ryans had in his secondary? We all talk about, you know, who's going to be a corner, who's you got a rookie on one side, you got a 33-year-old man on the other side, and you got these two guys in the back who are injured all the time. But yet you call blitz. I mean, they were blitzing the Eagles a lot. Never made it home. Never quite made it home. But they were blitzing a lot. So he took someone out of coverage. And he just told his corners who were on the island out there, you just got a ball. And I think they both did. And you're right. I think any mistakes, Jaquaski was able to erase it. And I think both of the corners played well in run support. So D'Amico Ryans, I think he likes what he has. Or he's got a lot of confidence in him. Because today... He left him on an island, and you know you come out with only that one big play. Josh Norman had two PIs, one in the end zone and one the first play of the game, but I think he played well. Great run support. You have a decent secondary. Now the question is, can you be consistent? Now, D'Amador, I think he's probably played more than anyone these first two these first two games on the defense, other than maybe Nick Bosa or Fred Warner, but he's been out there every snap. 
And he's and these snaps are great. These, you know, all these reps are great for him. He's just getting better and better. You have to be able to win in multiple different ways. I think that we learn that lesson every year. These seasons are marathons. They're not sprints. You're going to face different types of opponents. You're going to be in different health situations throughout the course of the season. So it's really important to be versatile. You can't just rely only on the pass rush. And the 2019 49ers learned that because the pass rush was decimated by the end of the regular season. And the offense had to be better when they beat New Orleans, when they beat Seattle. Uh, in weeks 14 and 17 of that season. And already through two weeks here of this 2021 season, uh, we've seen the 49ers have to win in in a couple different ways. They obviously just overwhelmed Detroit because they're better than Detroit at every single facet of the game. But Philadelphia, I mean, these guys, uh, they brought a little bit of a different challenge. And because that offensive line uh, was stout because they were able to to slow Nick Bosa and by slow Nick Bosa and company still meant two sacks for Nick Bosa, which is which is remarkable. But because they were able to do that, that secondary had to show up and Fred Warner had to make some plays. And it is interesting to me how how aggressive D'Amico Ryan's has been with the blitzing. It'll be interesting to get exact numbers on that. But it is as promised. The 49ers already blitzed more last year than they did in 2020 for obvious reasons because they knew that that rush wasn't going to be all encompassing all the time from four guys and I think D'Amico Ryans is getting ahead of the eight ball a little bit this time he wants to make sure that if the 49ers pass rush is stymied if it does lose some steam and you know we saw that happen a little bit today he has other ways of getting pressure and obviously did that now if we're going to be critical I think the 49ers packed it in a little bit early again that was an issue against Detroit obviously because that ending was crazy it might have been a little fluky after the onside kick but today that 75 yard touchdown drive was a little too easy for Philadelphia, Matt. That's something that the 49ers are going to have to get cleaned up. Yeah, and a big chunk of that came with Jalen Hurts' runs. 10 carries for 82 yards, and you know, during the week we heard uh, how good Trey Lance was at mimicking Jalen Hurts, and I'm sure he was, but um, you know that still was a, a big issue for them. There were a couple plays where the defensive end, usually it was D4, went right past him, which meant that there was nobody on the side anymore. And, and he just had a, the side door to, to run out of and, and a lot of green field in front of him. There are two thoughts that I had. A, the 49ers haven't, by a long shot, cured their issues against mobile quarterbacks. But it also made me think, okay, when Trey Lance is finally starting, this is an element that he's going to be able to bring to the table. I mean, I think Jalen Hurts is a nice sort of model for what he can be. Somebody can fire the ball deep. Threw some really nice deep balls, including that what should have been a, a touchdown to Quez Watkins, and then ran for 82 yards. So I think that's a sign of things to come for the 49ers. You, just, you would just think, Dennis, that you, they, they might be a little bit better, more uh, kind of rehearsed in uh, you know keeping a guy on the edge or, um, I don't know, uh, keeping track of a, a mobile quarterback, especially on a, on a key drive like that last one. Uh, you would also think that the, the 49ers defense, you, you play two mobile quarterbacks, you know, twice every season. You would be used to, to a quarterback like that, but yet the 49ers have not figured it out. So that's going to be, even in a win, there's always stuff you can look at. Uh, Jalen Hurts was, was, I believe, the Eagles' leading rusher today. And they had a couple, a couple rollouts there where it looked like the defensive end had went up to, had ran all the way to the other side of the field. It was just wide open. So that's something you got to straighten out. I mean, that's just that's just discipline. I mean, you, knowing your rush your rush lanes, knowing that you have contain and keeping your contain. So a lot of times when you're in, you're in there pass rushing, 
you see everything go away from you, you're trying to run something in, something from behind or, or you know, catch a running back or get a quarterback, and then you look up and the quarterback's already gone. So it's just being disciplined. You know, that's all it is. You want to be disciplined. I think everyone, I think Eric, I saw Eric Armstead, I saw D Ford, I saw Nick Bosa kind of get sucked inside because everything's moving inside. And as a defensive end, you're trying to run something down from behind, you know, maybe a strip, something like that. And you look up and the quarterback's on the other side. So, but the 49ers, you know, you, you got to face, you got to, you got to face Kyler Murray twice. You got to face uh, Russell Wilson twice. And you would, you would think that, you know, a disciplined pass rush is something that you would be an expert at now, but you see it, it, it happens. But it's just it's just being disciplined in your technique and in your pass. That's just something, even in a loss. I mean, you're going to find things that you can work on. I think that's a huge one. You know, again, with, with this being such a marathon and with there being so many diverse challenges, uh, the 49ers not only have to win as many games as possible, but, but they definitely have to improve every week. And it's about to get really fun because Aaron Rodgers is coming to town. Then Russell Wilson comes to town. You know, as you're talking about, Dennis, it's, it's, it's a very diverse and varied – uh, set of challenges that face the 49ers and I think today uh, they won in an all-encompassing way complementary football means that different parts of the ball help other parts of the ball so you saw the offense do it you saw the defense do it at different times uh, I mean offense salted the game away uh, you know after the defense preserved it at the start with the Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback sneak and a nice throw the use check and hey the special teams did it today as well uh, Javon Kinlaw blocked field goal that was a huge play uh uh, MVP today maybe was Mitch Wisnowski. Uh, three punts inside the 20, two inside the 10. So uh, the 49ers, th- this was very even, uh, a lot to build on in this game for them. Anyway, for Matt Barrows and for Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you this week on the next episode of Here's the Catch.